completion. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and you all give me some feedback. You know, I'm kind of used to living in Miami. I was born and raised a Miamian. And, uh, you know, Latin people can be a little loud. Amen? Can anybody Latin in the house? Thank you for the Latin people. So we can be a little loud, so it's okay to give me some feedback. You can say, ouch. You can say, amen. Amen? All right. So today, I'm going to be talking about the book of Revelation, specifically the message to the church in Sardis. And I don't know if you are familiar with the message to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, but today I'm just going to be talking about the message to Sardis. And I think you'll find it very interesting. Now, I know I have a clock in front of me. I may not adhere to that clock. <laughs> Is that all right with y'all? See, I've been living here now for about three years, so I can say y'all, even though I'm a Miamian at heart. Amen? So today's message title is, Look Out for Foundational Cracks. Look Out for Foundational Cracks. Can you turn to the person next to you and say, Look Out? Right. Now, turn to the other one that you completely ignored and say the same thing again. Amen. Can we pray for just a moment? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Despite the weather, despite the rain, we welcome it. Because it is a sign to me that the Holy Spirit is here. And you are pouring down your rain in these latter days. I thank you for the word that you're going to be releasing today, oh God. I pray it'll fall on good soil and produce much fruit. And Lord, grant me the ability to speak from your heart today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you, O Lord, my God, and my Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, before we dive into the verses, there are a couple of things I want to point out first, if you're familiar with the book of Revelation or not. Um, and by the way, it's not Revelations. It's Revelation. It's the revelation of the resurrected Christ. Amen? Throughout the seven letters to the churches in the book of Revelation, we're introduced with the characteristics of each church. And it's followed by a compliment, a commendation, or a special praise, a rebuke, a criticism, a command or a warning and a warning. And basically you're getting a report card of sorts from Jesus himself. This is from Jesus himself, the resurrected Christ. We also see that a special blessing was promised to each of the churches if they persevered or persisted in overcoming. How many of you want to overcome? Yeah. How many of you want to overcome all your obstacles, yeah. all your trials, all your tribulations, everything that happens in your life? I want to be an overcomer. Yeah. Amen? So Jesus gives a special blessing to those who overcome. 
Also, also notice that there is a warning of repentance, which is a common theme throughout the churches, with the exception of the message to Smyrna and Philadelphia. So two out of the seven do not get this warning. We notice that seven times, seven times, which is an important number in the Bible, to each church, the Lord says, He who has an ear, ear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen? Amen. So, as a follower of Christ, we must, we must, can I say must again? We must take into account each of the messages given to these churches because they are applicable to us today. Yeah. I believe that all of the messages that Jesus speaks to these seven churches are applicable to us today. They were very certainly applicable then at the time, but they apply to us as well. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word never returns void. So what he speaks to his church and his body back then, he's speaking to his church and his body now in the 21st century. Amen? So the book of Revelation is an eschatology book. And that is one of my all-time favorite subjects to study. Eschatology. It's filled with future end-time events. So when we find that Jesus is directly speaking to the seven churches during the time of John's vision of the risen Christ, one must take these critical messages seriously. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to begin in verses 1, reading through 6. I'm going to read it to you today from the ESV, so it might be different on the screen. But the ESV says the following. And to the, church, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis. People who have not soiled their garments. And they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. Verse 5 says, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. And I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen? Amen. Hard words, right? Yeah. Who's wearing steel-toe shoes this morning? I, I actually brought open-toe shoes and it was a bad idea. Bad idea. I got my feet wet this morning coming in here. So I believe it's important, me personally, I believe it's important to study history when it comes to the Bible. When I was a young student, uh, I 
cared not for history. It was not my favorite subject. But as I've uh, began to study the Word of God, I realized that studying history is of utmost importance when it comes to studying God's Word. It gives us a better perspective as to why the author addresses certain topics. You know, sometimes you look at the Word and you're like, well, that came out of left field. Well, you've got to really... Uh, dissect the word in order to understand and, and get into some of the history. Now this is also true when it comes to the supernatural aspect of the Bible. And I've been talking about that for quite a number of years when uh, it, when uh, talking to our church and you know when we give our Wednesday nights and, and, and things that, of that nature. The modern day, I believe the modern day church, the modern day church, unfortunately has unfortunately removed the spiritual and supernatural component of the Bible yes. and when you do that you miss a lot right. okay and that's why we brush through some verses that to us with our modern-day mentality we don't understand we'll brush right through it oh that's that's a hard verse let me just skip right through it pastors included Pastors included. So in the case of the church in Sardis, as well as all of the seven churches in Revelation, many things come to light as to why Jesus addresses these churches in the particular way that he does. You see, <clears throat> Jesus' words are deliberate. Jesus' words are well calculated and intentional. That's right. Very intentional. And they're full of purpose. Yes. They serve a purpose. Yes. You see, when Jesus was walking here on earth and he was ministering to people, or he was speaking to his disciples, or he was giving a parable, or the place that he stepped in, the grounds that he went to, and then the declarations that he made, and all of the things that Jesus said and did were with a purpose. Yeah. They were intentional. But if we don't know that, if we don't know those things, if we don't study God's word, it'll go right through our heads and we just take it this big, this much, and not understand the full picture. Do you understand? Yeah. So allow me this morning for just a few moments to share some historical facts. For example, Sardis was the capital of the Lydian kingdom, situated in the western part of modern-day Turkey. Pastor and I, Pastor Ricky and I are actually going to be taking a trip come September, and it's it's actually called, um, with, a, with a church that is our, there are pastors that are covering, we're going to go with a group of people, and we're actually going to visit uh, the Steps of Paul. Cool. So I'm super excited about that. Um, one of the places we're going to visit is Turkey. But despite the, the spiritual darkness uh, found in Sardis in that day, many people came into covenant with Jesus as their Lord. And as a result of that, a church was planted and it had much, much success. This is the church that Jesus is addressing. Now, watch this. This is, an, this is interesting. Its legendary king, who was said to be the most wealthiest of his time, was King Croesus. I don't know if you're familiar with his story. King Croesus. There's an interesting story 
of a nearby river called the Pactolus River, the River Pactolus, which ran along the city of Sardis, which is where he obtained his wealth from. Once you reach the Pactolus toward the east, we come to what was known as the Phrygian, Phrygian Kingdom. In this kingdom, another legendary king ruled. His name was King Midas. Interesting, huh? King Midas. King Midas was an actual king. He was a real historical figure. However, legend has it that when he asked the gods to make him rich, the result was that everything he touched turned to gold. Right? This is where we get the saying, the Midas touch. Legend says that King Midas was so thrilled with his new power, however, it became a curse for him after he touched his daughter and she too turned to gold. When King Midas begged the gods to remove the Midas touch, he was told to go and wash in the Pactolus River. Again, legend has it that when he did this, the waters of the Pactolus River filled up with gold and flowed downstream, stopping just outside the city of Sardis. Interesting. Now, according to the ancient history encyclopedia, it says the following, I'm quoting here. The Lydians, either during the reign of Croesus or just before, were cited as the first people to mint coins of gold and silver in Asia Minor. And it was Croesus who funded construction of the great temple of Artemis at Ephesus, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Although some have claimed that Croesus was largely a legendary figure, his signature at the base of one of the columns of the temple of Artemis, now on display um, at the British Museum is evidence that he was an actual historical king who ruled from the city of Sardis. Very interesting, right? So essentially, Sardis's reputation was marked by its extraordinary wealth. King Croesus lived in a fortress atop one of the mountains in the region. Now notice this, this is important. The fortress was seen by the people of Sardis as impenetrable. And they felt it was the safest place in the world. Do we think sometimes that the United States is impenetrable? I have news for you. From his uh, study guide on Christ's message to Sardis, one of my all-time favorite theologians, I don't know if you're familiar with him, his name is Rick Renner. Anybody? Rick Renner states the following, as time passed, the people of Sardis became smug about their strength and position. Blinded by pride, hello, they failed to notice that their city had gradually become in great disrepair and was literally crumbling under their feet. Eventually, an enemy discovered cracks in the city's foundation. 
and used them to secretly invade the city by night and take control of it. Negligence and pride led to Sardis' downfall. You see, Jesus had this in mind when he spoke to the church of Sardis. Although they had a great reputation, they had become negligent and were unaware of the disaster that loomed ahead. The same thing can happen to us if we let our guard down and become proud. Therefore, we must be watchful and alert and have ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking to us. This is the quote from Rick Renner. So that spoke to me. That spoke volumes to me. I don't know if it does to you, but in so many ways. As a nation? Yeah. Hello? As a city? As an individual? As a follower of Jesus Christ? So eventually, the city of Sardis was conquered by King Cyrus, if you are familiar with that part of history. Uh, King Cyrus of Persia, by way of discovering the crack in the foundation of the city. Yeah. Many years after Cyrus's invasion, once again the people of Sardis became prideful and thought that their wealth gave them security. Hello? However, the city fell into the hands of the Roman Empire in 133 BC. So what happened? The story, history, repeated itself. Sometimes we just never learn, do we? So I, I find it interesting and fascinating to learn from history. And I believe that it would be worth our while to do so that we can better understand the scripture. So at this point in the message, before we go on in, I want to challenge you. I love challenges. <laughs> I want to challenge you to take an honest self-check. And see if there are any cracks in your spiritual foundation. Is there something in your personal life that you have slightly opened the door to? Just a hairline crack that you know full well is not pleasing to God. Well. I ask you. Take a self-check. It can be something that seems to be innocent, that seems to be benign, but in time can become deadly. Do you want to know a little more detail as to what the city of Sardis and King Croesus's demise was when they were conquered by King Cyrus? Yeah. Thank you, half of you here. <laughs> half is still in, uh, in bed. <laughs> you see, King Cyrus's men were diligently studying and watching for two weeks for any sign of weakness and an entryway. One day, watch this. One day, one of Croesus's soldiers dropped his helmet. I want you to picture this. 
One of Croesus' soldiers dropped his helmet. In order to retrieve his helmet, he had to climb through a crack in the base of the city walls. Unbeknownst to him, he was carefully being watched by Cyrus's troops. And they realized this is the way into the city. Something as benign, as innocent as one man dropping his helmet. He says, oh, I know that there's a little crack in the foundation here. Let me go ahead and grab it. He did not know he was being watched carefully. So I'm here to tell you and put you on alert, as I put myself. We're being watched. Yeah. Every action, every word, every move we make, every single thing, the enemy is watching all that we do and everything that we confess with our mouths, every single little bit he's watching. They're watching us. And he's looking for an opening. That little tiny hairline crack that he can get a hold of and before you know it, bam! That becomes our downfall. What is it? Now don't be fooled. The same downfall that occurred in this city can happen to us as individuals if we let our guard down and we become proud or allow any crack in our spiritual foundation. Can I get an amen? Preach it. So we must be ever so careful and, listen, consistently alert. Yeah. Yes. We've got to be consistent. We've got to be like, this. Yeah. I mean, eyes in the back of our head at all times. I know it's tiring, but we must be yeah. alert. We must be sensitive to what the Spirit of God is saying. And you know, the Holy Spirit is so gentle. He's such a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It is a person. Amen. It is the person of the Trinity. The third person of the Trinity. He is a person and he will ever so gently nudge us at times and tell us, watch it. Amen. That can be a crack. What are you doing? So these are some of the things that can cause cracks in our spiritual foundation. And they can easily, listen to me church, easily become pitfalls. Yeah. Number one is offense. <laughs> we know that all too well. Offense. If you hold a grudge over someone that has said or did something that offended you, hello, you'd better get free from that. Amen is right. Humble yourself before God and repent of that. Before that split in your foundation gets any bigger and cause a greater divide. And most importantly, it affects your relationship with God. But it also affects your relationship with others. 
I'll tell you a personal testimony. This is why I told you I wasn't going to make it in 27 minutes. <laughs> is that all right with you all? Yeah. It's raining outside anyway. Where, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? You know, I've got you. You see, that was the purpose of the Holy Spirit all along. I let it pour. I was like, oh, God, it's pouring this morning. But he says, hey, I got this. Now I know why. Amen? Personal testimony. Many years ago, Pastor Ricky and I, before we came into full-time ministry um, with our church, we, we were under the leadership of another uh, pastor, another church in Miami many, for many years. And without going into any details, we were hurt by this person. Can someone say amen? Amen. We were hurt by a church. We were hurt by a church leader. We were hurt by a friend. In a very profound way, by the way. Shortly after that, I wanted no part of ministry. Can anybody relate to this? Yeah. I wanted no part of ministry. As a matter of fact, I I I told the Lord, I don't wanna I don't wanna meet any other woman that I can be close with or fellowship with because I was very close to this man's wife. I don't I don't want that. I don't want that. I was offended. And I let it take root, Terry. I let it take root, Michelle. I let it. Wow. Even though the Holy Spirit was speaking to me all along, I'm going to stay in this hurt phase because I want to. And I remained that way for a long time. As a matter of fact, I remember my husband telling me, you're going to preach, you're going to teach the Word of God. And I was like, I don't want to hear it. Seriously, yeah. I don't want to hear it. And he, and he would tell me that we need to get over this. We need to get over this. Through the years, obviously, the Lord began to deal in my heart, but I'm sharing that personal testimony because I'm speaking to someone here today. I don't know who, but the Lord knows. Get away from that offense. If there's a pastor that has hurt you, if there's a friend, if there's a family member, whoever it might have been, do not remain in that state of offense because it is a crack in the foundation. And before you know it, the enemy will go, hello, I'm here. And I'm about to wreak havoc in your life. Thank you for welcoming me. And you had no clue. All along, he was watching ever so watchful for that crack in the foundation. Let me move along. Unforgiveness is a crack in your spiritual foundation. It's a disease. Listen to me. It's a disease that metastasizes in the heart of man and grows to the point of no return. I speak of this because I know I've been there. I have worn that t-shirt and I ended up burning it. Rid yourself of any unforgiveness you may have towards someone and ask God to forgive you for holding it in for so long. You know, this is another thing that, that affects our, our foundation. It affects our relationship with God. It's a hindrance that affects our relationship with God. 
And, and forgiveness is a serious matter to him. Jesus himself said in Matthew 6.14, he said, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will my Father forgive you yours. That's hard. That's really hard. Let's move on. Lukewarmness. Oh, Lukewarmness. I'm wearing my steel toe shoes myself. Unbeknownst to its victim, it creeps in. One compromise at a time. You make an excuse to miss going to church one Sunday. One Sunday turns into four. And before you know it, you can't remember the last time you served at your church. One or two days without spend, time spending with in prayer and communion with God or studying His Word turns into a month. Before you know it, your Bible on top of your bookcase or your bookshelf or wherever it is that you have it has dust on top and you haven't dusted it off and opened it. The next thing you realize is that you don't even remember a scripture verse when the storm hits. That's hard. Yeah. And you want to come against the things that the enemy is throwing at you or life is throwing at you and you're not armed and dangerous with scripture because you don't remember your Bible's still got dust. I can write my name on it. <laughs> Many who call themselves Christians today have compromised in God's values and morals. God, I see that. Every single day. Churches are, are, are compromising. People are compromising. They, they are, they are, they've regarded the ways of the culture above the word of God. Hello somebody. And Jesus strongly, strongly rebuked the church in Laodicea for the lukewarmness. Lastly, here, finishing in the fishing, fishing, excuse me, fishing in the sea of forgetfulness is another breach in foundation. Let me explain what I mean by that. Because we could all be guilty of it. When you bring up the sins of the past for someone that has been forgiven and set free, wow. it creates a doorway. For the enemy to operate in your life. Don't go fishing into the sea of forgetfulness. We have to look rather within instead of pointing the finger at others. Yeah. We have to look within. And if God has set someone free, God has forgiven and set someone free, do not bring that up again. Amen. You know, sometimes we don't even realize the crack in the foundation or what the opening might be. Well, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us and to seal up anything that may be affecting our walk with God. Amen? Yeah. He will show us. Cracks in our spiritual foundation can wreak havoc and, be, and bring destruction if we're not careful. So as I mentioned before, if you read through chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, you'll see that a common theme is repentance. 
Jesus will always give us an opportunity to self-correct, to repent, to turn around, to turn around from that sin, to turn around from that way, and turn around and walk and run towards Him. Amen? This, this is key in our walk with God. And unfortunately, the topic of repentance is not even spoken much in modern day churches these days. It's more of a feel-good type message yeah. rather than speaking of sin. <gasps> they said the three-letter word. I'm out. I don't want to come to this church anymore. They talked about repentance. What do I have to repent for? But with repentance comes revival. We just sang about revival, didn't we? With repentance comes revival. Revival in our own lives first. Amen? Because that's how it starts. It starts with us. It starts with me. Revival. God, bring revival to our city. Bring revival to our nation. Well, what about you, God is saying? What about you? So bring revival to me. Bring revival in my own life, God. Help me to fan the flame. Help me to fan that passion for Jesus. And just step away from all these cracks and all these things and all these hindrances. Help me to walk away from that. Fan the flame and bring revival. Amen? Amen. Revival in our own lives can make its way into our churches and into our cities and ultimately into our nation. How long don't we need that today? What is said to be the start of what occurred in Asbury University recently is that one student stood up before a crowd of people. Did you hear about that? They were having worship and And he gets up there and he begins to repent. That sparked revival. That what people are calling revival that lasted for weeks. So we must keep humble before the Lord at all times. Let me move quickly. Jesus' message to Sardis in verse 1 says, See, we see him saying, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this. Then he goes on to give a stern rebuke. I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. The phrase that you have a name refers to the fact that the church in Sardis had a reputation for being active. Alive. And well, it was flourishing. It appeared, it appeared, it appeared big and vibrant, full of life. But the reality was that they were spiritually dead. Their outer appearance was a stark difference to what was going on inside. Right. They had become like whitewashed tombs, almost void of the Holy Spirit. God help us. What a dangerous place to be in. And and, and the least thing we ever want to do is point our fingers to any church or any denomination. We got to look within ourselves first. God, may I never be a whitewashed tomb. May I never be void of the Holy Spirit in my life. 
May I ever remain in a spirit of being convicted and allow the Holy Spirit to convict me for whatever I need to be convicted for. Come on. That I may walk in your ways uprightly, Father. So this is not only detrimental for a church, let alone a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus tells them to wake up in verses 2 and 3. And I find it interesting that he mentions to wake up twice. Therefore, listen up. Twice. So this is true for us today, people. God's people need to wake up. We need a spiritual alarm. For far too long, the church has been spiritually asleep. Hello. Or in a slumber-like state, thinking that they are secure. Some relying on their riches, much like the church in Sardis. Oh, we're in, I'm impenetrable. I have money in the bank. I've got a good career, a good family. I clock in and go to church on Sundays. I'm a good Christian. So this may or may not apply to you personally, but the overall body of Christ, the church, needs to quit snoozing the alarm. Stop putting off consistently walking with God for another day. There might not be another day. Put an end to making excuses for ser for not serving God. Our, our Heavenly Father sometimes has to, you know what, shake the tree in order for us to wake up. There's no time to waste. You see, I believe, going back to that testimony I gave you earlier, I believe that for me personally, God had to shake my tree. He had to wake me up. Because I think I was too comfortable and all too happy to just be there, you know, Sunday in and Sunday out, serving in this church that we were in, and then bam, all of a sudden something hit. And it rocked me, people. It rocked me. But you know what? I'm here today by the grace and mercy of our Heavenly Father, and I can tell you that I can stand here and say, thank you, Abba, that I went through that. Because then I wouldn't be standing here. Come on. And I wouldn't be able to testify of his goodness. Hey, Lord. Amen? Amen. Are you still with me for just a few more moments? I'm almost done, I promise. Okay, remember that the city of Sardis was prideful and felt as though they were impenetrable. And as a result of their own pride and negligence, this church too had a foundational crack that Satan was all too content to enter. Again, this too can take place in not just any church, but in anybody. It can happen to pastors. It can happen to leadership. We're not exempt. How many churches or pastors as of late have you seen in the news lately? It's sad. <clears throat> a crack in their spiritual foundation. We must never have a puffed up attitude or think we're immune. 
The minute our guard is down or we think we're impenetrable because, again, we pat ourselves in the back, we tell ourselves that we've come to church, that we've done a good deed, that we've given of our tithes, of our offerings, that we're good Christians, and then we turn around and we live lives just like everyone else out in the world, void of the Spirit of God. That is an entryway for the enemy. That's why it's important to stay humble before him each and every day and in fellowship with the Father. Amen. And not forsake the assembling of ourselves as a church. We need each other. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying today. Amen? Amen. Let's be on the lookout for those foundational cracks. I'm going to leave it here for today. I don't want you to miss next week because I'm going to bring part two. Will you stand with me this morning? Did you learn something today? Did the Holy Spirit speak to you? Let me see. Did he? I know he spoke to me again. He spoke to me. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Every time I close the sermon, I will always give an opportunity for a reflection, challenge, rededication, salvation, time of prayer. If you're here today, maybe you're not in right standing with Jesus. And you say, you know, today I'd, I'd like to rededicate my life to Jesus. We're going to have some prayer partners come up at this time because I think that, I think we need to close today with a time of prayer. Yeah. And I, I sense that there, yeah, I know some people came up earlier for prayer, but this is specific to the message today. Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know, I, that message spoke to me. Maybe there are some things that I need to get rid of. Whatever it might be, that's between you and God. But if you'd like to come up for prayer, we've got prayer partners here this morning. I'll stand up here and I'll, I'll be here available for you if you want prayer as well. I would ask you this morning, if you were to say, Pastor Yvette, I'm not 100% in right standing with Jesus and I, I want to make a change today. Will you raise your hand and just say, you know, that's me. There's no judgment here. I believe that this is a safe place and a place where you're never going to be judged. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? If you were to say, you know, I'd like to dedicate my life to Jesus for the first time. I want to put my trust in Him. Will you raise your hand? We'd love to pray for you. And if you're here this morning and you say, there, there might be a few things that the Holy Spirit just revealed to me that I need to, need to work on. They, they could result in a crack in my foundation. And I want to seal that up with prayer today so that it doesn't become a hindrance in my walk with God. Anybody here, come up. Come up right this minute. Don't be ashamed. Come on up. Come on up for prayer. Come on up for prayer. 
I believe the Holy Spirit is here. Maybe you've been hurt by someone, a spouse, a parent, a sibling, a friend, a church member, a pastor. And you may say, you know, I don't hold a grudge, but man, every time that you talk about it, there's something. There's something there. Well, the Lord is here and He wants to set you free. Amen? So can we pray this morning? Come on up. The prayer partners are here. His name is so worthy. Can we celebrate Him? What a beautiful God. What a beautiful Father. Lord, we thank you for your presence here today. God, I thank you that people came to have church, to have fellowship with you. Can we give a hand for Yvette delivering a beautiful teaching on the word of God? It's messages like hers that made me come back to church and make me want to keep going to church. I love being taught. It encourages my faith. I'm going to go dive in and read about a gold touch and all sorts of things that I'm excited about. But I'm so thankful for your heart and for letting God step on your toes. So thank you for, for teaching us. We are hungry. We want to be fed. And if you're not feeling that way, then that might be one of the cracks, a place to look at. Say, God, give me a hunger. Give me conviction where it's due. We have one last final act of worship today. and We honor God with our tithes and our offerings. Whatever we have to offer, our hearts, our praise, our voice. But financially, we have a few different ways to give up on the screen. Also, if it was your first time here today, we want to celebrate you. We are so glad that you were here at Waterview. If you'll check in at Next Steps, fill out your card, take it. We promise we won't bother you that much. Um, and because I got the mic and I'm over students, um, my name's Harry. If you haven't met me before, I would love to meet you um, out in the atrium. Uh, but we have students tonight from 5 to 7 p.m. Uh, so make sure that your student, 6th through 12th grader, does not miss it. Uh, we love you guys. We hope you have a wonderful Sunday. Go speak Jesus to somebody. Invite someone to church with you. Doesn't matter where you're at. They can grow with you. We can all grow together. We love you all. Praise the name of Jesus and have a great week.